times of need and our times of disappointment, sometimes you can get so low that you just want to lay there. But I give God glory for the Holy Spirit. Because when you call on him, he's there to comfort you. If you need that comfort, amen, and if you want that comfort, God know what each individual need in this room. And and he's saying to you, it ain't over. It's not over until God says that it's over. We need to quit giving up on God. I'm going to say it again. We need to quit giving up on God because God didn't give up on us. So why are we giving up on him? God knows the plans that he has for each individual in this place. Plans of good and not evil. Plans of hope and a future and an expected end. So I'm telling you again, don't give up on God. Because God hasn't given up on you no matter how bad it looks. God always have a plan. He's the potter and we're the clay. And God is coming in and he's shaping us and he's molding us into the image that he will have us to be. But notice when that potter is on that wheel, it takes water to form again. And the water is the word, y'all. So when we feel like that, we don't want to be shaping no more. When we feel like we don't want to be created to be that image that God want us to be, then that's when we got to go into the word. And we have to let the word come in and and give us a life in those different situations. So he had to pour water on that clay to shapen that clay. Let God mold you. Sometimes that molding hurts. Sometimes you're just saying, God, just leave me alone. Let me die just like Elijah. But God knew the plan he had for Elijah. And he still encouraged him in the midst of his disappointment when he just wanted to give up and die. God said, I'm not going to let you go out this way. Because God wants you to finish what he has given you. God has given you a good work. And God said, I don't want you to come down off of that work. Come on, let's give God some glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to say this morning, you know, sometimes um, things pop up unexpectedly. And sometimes when things pop up, we began to reason. But then when we began to reason, we got to understand that it's not us that's going to do it. It is the Holy Spirit within us that's going to take the wheel. Amen. Amen. So this year, God said it's a year of open doors, meaning that the doors are open for us to walk through those doors. The enemy wants you to think that things are not happening the way that God say that they're going to happen. The thing is, it has already happened, but we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Because if God say there are open doors and walk through those doors and leave those things behind from 2019 that you were going through, God got some awesome things in this year for us. And this is why the enemy is trying to make us feel as if it's still not working. But the devil is a liar. So this morning when I had gotten two texts saying the drummer wasn't going to be here, I said, okay, we'll move on with the musician. Then got another text that the musician ain't going to be here. I said, okay. So me and Apostle on the phone, we saying, God got it. So God is saying, you can't depend on man, Judah. I'm going to say it again. If you depended on man to give you a beat, uh-huh. then you ought to beat. Amen. Then you're not trusting God. See, our thing is 
We always depending on man to do something for us that God has already done. When you set your mind on man, you feel like you have to move when man moves. But I'm here to tell you when you trusting in the Lord and you begin to open your mouth, you begin to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So we need to take our mind off of somebody's missing so we're not going to make it. The devil is a liar. Quit depending on man and depend on him. So God was testing this morning to say, let me see who you depending on. And sometimes, congregation, we get so used to hearing the beat. But when I'm home by myself, I don't have a beat. The only beat I have is the beat of my heart for the love that I have for God. So I just go ahead and praise him because the Bible says that everything that has breath, praise ye the Lord. See, God is taking you out of self. See, when you in self, you depending on self. But when you never depend on self, you say, come on, just like Caleb and Joshua, we can overtake them because we got the power from on high. So I'm going to ask you this morning, who are you depending on? Who are you trusting in? Who are you waiting to give you a beat before you can raise your hands and get? Who are you waiting on to give you a beat so you can begin to praise the Lord? He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. See, we're supposed to be able to make a joyful noise without waiting on a beat. It's supposed to already be on the inside of you. See, Lucifer, only thing he did was open his mouth and begin to sing because everything was there. The pipes, the organ, everything was there. He could hear the music and just sing. So the more time you spend with God. You're not waiting on nobody to stir you up. You should be stirred up even before the music starts. You should be ready to wave your hands. You should be ready to stomp your feet. Because when you think of the goodness of the Lord and all that he's done for you, your soul should be boasting. Your soul should be crying out. Hallelujah. Thank God for saving little old me. Hallelujah. 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 Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. God got this. Say, neighbor. God got this. Say, he's only using me. To bring what he's already got. Oh my goodness. Y'all ain't tapped in yet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good, y'all. He just want us to trust him. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you on today. We glorify you. We magnify you because you are God. God, you are high and you're lifted up. 
God, you are king of kings. You are Lord of lords. You the great I am that I am. God, you almighty. You are El Shaddai. God, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are a healer. God, you are a deliverer. God, you are Rose of Sharon. God, you are the Prince of Peace. God, you are the living water. God, you are the bread of life. God, you are Jehovah Shalom. God, you are peace. God, you are Jehovah Shema. God, you are there. God, you're Jehovah Roi. Hallelujah, God. You are a good shepherd, God. And we honor you on today, God, for who you are. God, you are holy. You are so holy, God. So, God, we give you glory. We give you honor and we give you praise on today, God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary. For the remissions of our sins. God, thank you that in you we live, in you we move, in you we have our being. God, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And God, you shall get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise on today, God. You shall be glorified here in this place. And Holy Spirit, I welcome you today to be my helper, to be my teacher, to lead us and guide us into all truth, to bring the word back to my remembrance, what you have spoken unto me. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. And as I open my mouth on today, the word will become fire and it shall devour everything in this room that's not of you. It shall become a hammer. It shall break the rocks into pieces. The word shall be a lamp unto our feet. And a light unto our path. And the entrance of the word shall give us light and understanding on today. So God, we thank you for your word. We cannot live without your word. Quicken us today according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give another shout out to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn with me to the book of Romans, the fifth chapter, verse 12. Romans, the fifth chapter, verse 12. And let's hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say unto the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And while we're turning there, Father God, right now in the name of Jesus... Every attack and every assignment that the enemy has sent out against your people today to bring illness, to bring sickness, to bring disease. God, in the atmosphere, God, that's coming to attack the bodies of your people. God, I bind it right now in the name of Jesus. And I send your word of healing, God, to heal them and to deliver them today from their destruction right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you on today, God, that they already healed and they're rising up off of their bed of affliction right now in the name of Jesus. God, we call it done. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And the word of God reads, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, For that all have sinned. I want to read it again. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world. And death by sin. So death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. I'm going to do it one more time for the Holy Ghost. 
Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You may be seated. I want to continue our teaching from last Sunday. 911, what's your emergency? Lost souls. 911, what's your emergency? Lost souls. We have a lot of lost souls out there, y'all. And I'm just going to say this plain and simple. The church need to stop playing. And we need to start doing what we're supposed to do and quit trying to um, go out there and get stuff for us. Because the majority of the church is looking for what they already have. The majority of the church is saying, heal me, deliver me, prosper me. So they're looking for something for themselves, but God has given the church a commission. And we have to be out there doing this great commission. We don't have time to be playing church, y'all. We don't have time just to be coming in here, sitting in here and say our name is on the roll. So when I get married or when I die, I got a building that my body can go into. We ain't got time for that. God said it's a 911. It's an emergency. There are lost souls out there and God is training you and equipping you to go out there and win the loss. And this is the problem. The church is getting so comfortable with me, myself, and I that it don't matter about nobody else. But if you have the heart of God in you, you will lay aside what you going through and say, God, there's somebody that don't know you. There's somebody out there that's lost that don't even know they're lost. It's a lot of people in the world that's lost, that need to be found. And what we do, we bypass them because when we go places, our mind is set on what we want to do instead of our mind being set on things above and not on things of this earth. See, the enemy want to take the attention away from the lost because he want to keep them where he is. God did not create hell for us. He created hell for the devil and those angels. It was not his intention for us to go to hell. So this is why God is bringing this message into this church to say, get over you. It's time for you to get over you. It's time for you to get over you being exalted, you being sane. It's time for you to get over, I need a title, ordain me. It's time to cut that out. It's time to make disciples. It's time to have followers of Jesus Christ because when you stand before him, he's not going to call me Apostle Amanda. He's not going to call nobody Evangelist Tulu or Hulu. He's not going to call nobody Pastor this or that. He's not going to do that. So we need to quit trying to live up to titles here on this earth. We respect those titles, but we don't look at those titles like they are God. We don't put man in the place of God because man will fail you. Even with their good intentions, they will fail you because they're not God. Unless they're speaking from the spirit of God, they will fail you. Because when God becomes rhema coming out of their mouth, that word is not going to hit the ground. It's going to manifest before your eyes. So the church need to wake up. We have people dying young, young folks dying in their mess and we're laying them to rest and act like they're already in heaven. We need to quit this mess. Your good works don't get you in. I don't care how many nursing homes you visit. I don't care how many potato pies you send to my house. I don't care how much money 
you give to the poor. I don't care how uh, early you are at church and how late you are to leave. If your heart ain't right before God, you ain't getting in the kingdom. I don't care if you love somebody better than somebody else loves somebody. If the heart ain't right, you ain't, you, y'all better tell somebody. Your good works don't get you in. So we need to quit playing church and we need to let truth come out within the church. We need to quit telling people, pray to God, he will answer you. God don't answer a person's prayer, not lest they're coming into the kingdom. Because the Bible tells me that our iniquities, what we used to have, separated us from God. And out in sin, hid his face from us. That's what the word said in Isaiah 59. That means we were separated because of, because of one man's sin. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And some of you may already know about it. But the Holy Spirit reminded me. He said last Sunday you gave them the great commission. You told them they didn't need no license. They need to just go out and win souls. He said, now I want you to come back in and teach them how to win the loss. He said, because you can give them the great commission and they can stand in front of somebody like a deer in headlights. Their eyes bucked and nothing is coming out their mouth because they ain't been in the word. They haven't been taught. So God wants you to be taught on how to win the loss. Y'all, you already have prosperity. See, this is the things that we got to talk about first. Jesus came in first saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, I want you to have a change of mind. I want you to turn from your way of doing and turn to God's way of doing. I want you to turn to the kingdom. But he had to tell them how they needed to get into the kingdom. Jesus was the example and to get into the kingdom of God. So we need to share this message with people, but we're sharing too much other mess except truth, except the gospel. We need more people teaching, proclaiming, preaching. You do not have to be a preacher. People call people preachers. When the Bible say preach, it means proclaim. We want to proclaim this message, the message concerning the kingdom that Jesus brought. So it says through one man, y'all one man, it only took one. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. It can take one in here to mess up a whole church. That's all it takes. It takes one person getting off course to divide a church. That's why you need to be taught. That's why you need the power of the Holy Ghost. So the discerning of spirits can come upon you so you will know what spirit it is of. They are of. See, this is why you need teaching. It's so many people that get on fire for God because they'll look at somebody on the internet or they'll look at somebody on Facebook and they'll see them showing their face and they're just trying to teach you something. And all of a sudden, the enemy tells you that's what you need to be doing. That's what you need to be doing. But the problem is... You're not up under nobody getting taught so you can go out and do what needs to be done. Some people just want to go out and tell somebody something that they think they know. And the enemy loves that because that's error. Because when you are in error, there's a spirit of error upon the land. And somebody had to come in with the spirit of truth to let them know that's not what the word says. 
We getting too comfortable with one another and we don't want to shut our friends down because we so afraid of losing friends that we rather for them to die in their mess than to tell them the truth. It's time for truth to be told when somebody is wrong, they are wrong. But you speak the truth in love. You don't leave them out there like that. If I see somebody falling in a ditch, I don't sit there and say, watch this. They're going to fall in that ditch in a minute. Watch what I tell you. Then you're going to say, see, the Lord told me that, liar. We're supposed to warn them. And then the blood won't be on our hands because we told them what the word said. Now it's up to them. And you don't hope that they fall. You don't wait on them to fall. You're supposed to build them up. You're supposed to strengthen them, not tear them down. But we as a church, we're so jealous over one another. We don't want nobody to get ahead of us. We don't want nobody to teach because we're not teaching. We don't want nobody to sing because we're not singing. We don't want nobody to take the spotlight because they think, come on, y'all. This is what we're doing in the church, having a competition. We're competing against one another because this one is doing this. Now you figure you need to do that. Not if God ain't saying so. God know what you need to be where you are. That's why he's the potter and we're the clay. So the Bible say one man by one man sin entered into the world. So I'm going back to this one man. And if I have to, I'm going to stay on this one man. And if you don't have time for me to talk about this one man, there's a door behind you. And it's one in the kitchen, but I know you ain't going to take these two behind me. So I'm just going to give you the opportunity because I'm going to talk today. And the only way I'm going to shut up is the Holy Ghost say, cut it off. Because people are dying. They are lost and don't even know that they're lost. And we're spending too much time wasting on things that we should not be wasting our time on. So it's say one man. We go back to the beginning. I love the beginning. Because God created something out of nothing. God called those things that be not as though they were. God created the heavens. He created the earth. He created it the way he wanted it to be. The Bible said after God got through creating, it says that it was good, y'all. But when he finished, it said it was very good. So there was no evil. There was no bad or wickedness there. Everything he created was good. And one thing about God, he placed us in a place that was good. He created a place for us that was like paradise, that had everything that we needed. Come on, our thoughts wasn't messed up. We was no sickness. We wasn't in the need of anything because everything that we needed was right there. God thought about us because he loved us so much. He said, I'm going to put you in a place that is only good because he's a good, good father. And the Bible said the goodness of God is what leads to repentance. God is good. So after he did all that, we were so special, y'all. He took man, not the animals. He took man, he said, let us create man in our image. He said, let us create them in our image and in our likeness, meaning that we were going to have his characteristics, meaning that we started out as spiritual beings, a spirit being. But then God, when he created us in his image, guess what? He had to form us. He had to make a body. 
in order for the life of God to go in that body. So he breathed into that body and that body became what? A living soul. So without the spirit, I want y'all to understand we are dead. Without the life of God, we are dead. We have people walking around here breathing but dead. The life of God is not in them. They are dead, but they're thinking, I'm okay. I do good. See, y'all, when I was raised up, I thought, you know, everything was okay because I didn't um, try to hurt people. I didn't try to go out and these clubs or drink, didn't know how to drink, didn't know how to smoke. Yeah, I puffed on a cigarette, but got choked and promised myself I'd never smoke again, and I didn't. So let me tell you something. We have a choice. You have a choice with whatever you do. So I thought I was okay because I didn't hang with the bad crowd. I snuck out the house. Yes, I did. But I just didn't hang out with everybody. I didn't, you know, drink or do all this other stuff. But the point was, I still was a sinner. See, on the outside, I looked at good. Everybody say, you're a good girl. But I was full of mess. I was still a sinner. Just because a person act good don't mean that they're saved. I want y'all to understand that. So we need to quit putting people in categories based on what they do. So here, here we go. They're in paradise, but God did this. Remember, it was one man. When he blew breath into that body, it was not only a man there, but it was a woman inside of that man. So he told the man, he said, you can eat of every tree that's in the midst of this garden. He gave him permission. He said, but this tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat of that tree. He said, if you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Now check this. One man, one tree. One man, one command. Y'all come on. God's so funny. One man, one tree, one command. One man, one tree, one command. Y'all, God, come on. He already knew what the outcome was going to be. But this is why God did this. God said, I created you with nothing but good. He said, but I had to give you a choice to choose the good. We have a choice, y'all. God created us with the will. He's not going to go outside of what you're willing to do. So don't say, God, why didn't you stop me? God said, uh-uh, I gave you a choice to stop yourself. God said, I put in front of you blessings and curses. He said, I put in front of you life and death, but my God is so good. He said, Amanda, even though I put this in front of you, I'm giving you the answer. Choose life. You and your siege. He said, I'm putting it in front of you. I'm giving you the choice, but I'm telling you what to choose. He said, I want you to choose life. Come on, God is telling us, choose life. He's given us a choice. Even Joshua knew this. Joshua was telling them, choose you this day. Whom you going to serve? You can serve the Amorites or you can serve them guys on the other side. He said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You have a choice, people. And it's what you choose. You don't blame it on God. Because God said, choose life. 
So this is what he told Adam. He said, this is what I want you to do. Don't eat from this tree. Because if you eat from this tree, you're going to surely die. Now I'm going somewhere. Now remember, it was one man, one tree, one command, right? So later on, we find out in the book of James 2, chapter 10, it says that if you break one, there go to one, you broke them all. Oh, we're going to go somewhere today. I'm going to go somewhere for these super saved saints. I'm going to go somewhere for the super saved saints that think they don't never do nothing wrong and always looking at everybody else wrong. I'm going to talk to the super saved saints in the house. Because Adam, there was no evil in him or Eve. But see, it was one thing that the enemy want. See, sin originated from Satan. Because Satan was up there with God as Lucifer. He was beautiful, y'all. But he got so stuck on him. He got so stuck on his beauty that he said, I can exalt myself above God. I can sit on the throne of God. He was so full of pride. See, being prideful, whether you know it or not, saints, is sin. So he was so prideful, God said, ain't no pride going to be up here. God said, because I'm a holy God. And, he, and God hates sin, y'all. God hates sin. So guess what? Satan had to be thrown out of heaven, even with those angels that rebelled with him. Because he wanted to be above God. So I want y'all to catch this. If he couldn't get that dominion from God, he's going to take from you what God has given you. God gave them dominion over the earth. He gave them the right to reign and rule over this earth. He says that the heavens and the heavens are the Lord. The heaven and the heavens are the Lord. But the earth, I have given to what? The children. See, God said he gave the earth to us. So Satan knew the only way I can get, he was after the authority. He was after ruling and reigning. But he said, now, how can I take from them what I want that God didn't give to me? He said, this is how I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the very thing that God told them not to do and get them to do it. Y'all don't get it? I'm going to say this. Your sins will find you out. Don't think that you're burying a dead body and nobody's going to find it because a thief, you burn it and you, and you shot it and you put some stuff under it, over it and it ate it up, some lie and... You threw it way in the ocean. Don't think it ain't going to be found. Because the blood cries from the ground. See, people think I can take and do all this to a body if it ain't nothing there. They can't charge me with it. But God knows. So this is what was happening right here. Satan said, now I got to come in and I got to see how I can take this dominion, this authority. Because I want to be above God. I want to be ruler of something, so I'm going to be ruler of this world. So guess what he did? The very command that God told them not to do. Satan come in and he twisted it. See, their minds wasn't on the tree because they had everything. He said, eat from everything in this garden. So they were obedient to God. But he said, I want them to rebel. So guess what he had to do? Y'all check his tactics out. He have to take what God created. To use for his benefit. Because God created everything. 
even him. So he had to use God's creation to do his dirty work. Just like he used us to do his dirty work. So he used the serpent. And he got that serpent to deceive Eve by twisting the word and said, have God really said, y'all know the story. So when Eve focused on that tree, when that was the lust of the flesh, the pride of life and the what? Lust of the eyes. That's what he used with us. These are the three things that Satan used to get us to go out of the will of God. So Eve She took that fruit, that forbidden fruit. She ate that fruit, but before she ate it, she offered some to her husband. Let me ask you something, women. Why we put our husbands in our mess? And husbands, why you follow a woman in her mess? I know why, because you want peace to be in that house. You'd rather die along with her (laughs) than to turn away from what that woman is doing. I'm going to say this. I'm going to move on with this, but I'm taking my time, because every every time the Holy Spirit reminds me of something. Do y'all see how it was Adam and Eve? God took Eve from Adam because Eve was already in Adam, right? So the only thing he did was pull a woman out of that same body. God already had a plan. This is why that woman is um, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, because she come from man. And, and man, men, if we come from you, okay, if God created this way, why are you pushing us away from you? Because you don't know the love of God. Why when a woman change her appearance, a man changes mind? Why when a woman blow up, you don't desire? If she's bone of your bone, and she's flesh of your flesh, whichever way it come out, the front, the back, the sides, or whichever, she's still yours. And you should still make her feel the same way. Where is the love of God? If she change, you got something to do with that change. If she getting bloated, you better ask her, what I do, baby? What are you depressed about? Did I cause this depression? Let's just move on. Just a little nugget. So we see how they were one. So Eve offered Adam that fruit. Adam knew what God said, y'all. So I want to tell you something, men. If you know what the word is saying, quit being Ahab and allowing Jezebel to tell you something. Adam messed up. He did it on his own. Eve did not force him to bite from that fruit. He did it on his own and immediately after they'd done that, their eyes were open to evil. And that's not what God wanted. They begin to have shame. They begin to have fear. And the thing that got me, they were hiding from the very God that created them. They were hiding. They even took things to cover their nakedness up before they were naked and they were not ashamed. If you got shame in your life, it's because you open a door to the enemy and you let him in. Because in God, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Jesus Christ. So if you're being condemned and you're feeling guilty, you better check yourself. Because it's something that the enemy have on you that's making you feel that shame. So they begin to recognize that they were naked. 
So they began to hide from God and God began to call out to Adam. And he was hiding from him. And he knew he was hiding from him. But through God's grace and his mercy, God took an animal and he killed that animal and he clothed them. That was God's grace and mercy right there in the garden. He still loved them. But this is what God did not do. I want y'all to check this. God told those angels to guard Eden. He said, because we throwing them out of here. And the reason why he threw them out is because he said, I don't want them to live this way their whole life in sin. He said, because they can go eat from the tree of life and they can be sinners and still live forever and not die. He said, so they cannot have access to this no more. Why am I saying this? Church, we think we can live any kind of way. Do anything we want. Yes, God's going to still love us. But when you know what he done, you won't want to live any kind of way. If God put them out of paradise, okay, do you think that you live in the way you live in is acceptable before God? Some people do. Oh, we're going to get into this teaching. Might take a few Sundays, but I'm going to dig deep. Just pray for me. I'm going to dig deep. And the reason why I'm digging deep, because my heart is crying out, y'all. My heart is crying out like never before for people that are lost and they sit in front of you lost, talking the nonsense and don't even know they're lost. I'm even talking about Christians. I'm talking about the ones that say they know the Lord and they're still acting a fool. Come on, you cannot know the Lord and still be in the same situation. There's supposed to be some change. So all this happened. In that garden. But how many know God had a plan? God had a plan because God loved us so much. But God began to deal with me even before he went to that plan. God said, do people not know? He said that I don't want people to die in their sin. He said, I want all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now understand that the knowledge of the truth is concerning what Jesus done on our behalf. He said, I want all men to be saved. Church, I want to talk to you for a minute because some of us act like we just pick and choose who we want to go to heaven, who we want to have eternity. We need to cut this mess out. We pick and choose who we want to minister to. And we leave the rest out there to themselves. We pick and choose because we say, that's easy pray. I think I can talk to this one, but I can't talk to the gangster. I think I can talk to this one, but I can't talk to the homosexual. We pick and choose, but he said, I want all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's grace that brings salvation appeared to all men according to Titus 2.11. That means he's given everybody an opportunity. You do not pick and choose in your family, on your job, or anywhere who you think need to be saved. He made salvation available for everybody. And this is what God said in Ezekiel 33, 11. Oh, God, God got a heart of love. He got such a heart of love. But I want to ask you, what happened to us? It says in Ezekiel 33, 11, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Did y'all hear that? 
God said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? God said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So if that's God's heart and we're born again, we have accepted Jesus as our Lord. That should be our heart. We should not want anybody to die. We should want people to live. God said what? Choose life. Because there's death out there, but he want us to what? He want us to choose life. So we understand that God don't want anyone to die. Then he takes us back again to another scripture I'm reminded of. Second Peter 3, 9, when it says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, but he is long suffering to us. Why is he not slack? Because there's going to be scoffers. That's probably amongst us right now to say, y'all keep talking about he's coming, he's coming. You've been talking about this for ages. Why he's not here. But God said, I'm not slack. He said, I'm coming. But he said, I'm giving the ones that are not saved, the ones that have not turned to me. I'm giving them an opportunity to repent. That means it's going to take labors. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray for the labors to come into the harvest. Every morning I get up and I begin to speak. I say, Lord, I speak that you're putting labors amongst the harvest. I bind the hands of the enemy where he's blinding the minds of the unbelievers, keeping them from believing this glorious gospel. Send your labors amongst the harvest. We got to take our mind off of gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. When we go into prayer, we got to quit saying, God, I need this and I need that. My God, he already know what you need before you ask. You need to be getting on your knees and say, God, I'm crying out for the Lord. Because when God already told you what he's going to do, he don't change his mind. Because all of his promises is yes and amen, meaning it is so in Christ Jesus. He said, if I said it, it's already written. It's not going to be changed. Your life was written before you was here. Before your daddy and mama come together or came together for you. Did y'all not know that there was a race with them things floating up there to get to that woman for you to be created to be a baby? But it was one egg that just stood back there and was floating, just waiting, taking his time. Because that was the one that was predestined to be with that family. It didn't have to try to knock nobody out the way. But when it got there, everything else had to move. Because God already predestined you. Oh, y'all don't hear me. See, we always in a rush trying to take something from somebody. God already predestined what he wants for you. God already chose you. God already accepted you in the beloved. God already adopted you. God already done these things for you. And we're still trying to do it. So if God done all this for us, why aren't we going out there and telling them about what Jesus done? Because we ain't satisfied. Because we're still trying to get for us. When you know what you already got, 
you ain't wasting time getting it. That's like a dog chasing his tail and it's behind him. The dog got the tail and he's trying to find the tail and it's hooked to him. We got everything we need attached to us, but we're still going out trying to get it. That's covetousness. Because we're not content. We are complete in him, y'all. Now that you are born again, you're complete in him. You have everything you need in him. In him. Not in you, but it's in him. He did not put you here on this earth with nothing. Mm -mm. So God don't want nobody lost. And if he don't want nobody lost, why do we? Because we don't want to waste time on the loss. Some people say, well, if you want to die and go to hell, just go. I don't gave you what the word said. But one thing I can say about this religion, and I'm not going to call their name. They'll come to your house, knock on your door, and won't leave until you talk to them. They'll even leave you a booklet at your house. And if you open the door, they don't want to give you time to talk about nothing because they already done made up their mind that you need to come on over to us. They don't give up. They pull up in your driveway. Don't know who driveway they're going to pull up in, but they pull up. And what we do, we shut the blinds. Don't, don't you open that door. Now they don't even pull up to my house. They, they go next door. They just float right on by me. Wonder why? Because they heard about who's in that house. They float right by, had them living right across from us and wouldn't mess with us. Because they knew who was in that house. They knew it was power in that house to change what you teaching and preaching. So I don't want my mind changed and transformed, so don't stop over there. (laughs) See, this is what I'm talking about. The Bible said don't even bid them what? Godspeed. But if you do open the door, come on, come on in, let's have church. Let's really talk about what he done. They'll leave quicker than they came. But the problem is we got to be witnesses. And you cannot be a witness without being taught. But what we got to understand, what God was saying, y'all, we are in a lost world. How many know that? We are in a world that's full of what? Full of sin. And people don't even recognize that this world is full of sin. Because they live in a world that they have made normal. It's normal activity for people to do what they do. And people say, it's okay. Let me tell you what's normal activity for people. Fornicating and adultery is normal. It's a part of life. Lying and stealing is normal. It's a part of life. This is how you make it. Don't say you're not a liar. Because if you turned in the food stamp application and you gave them the wrong income, liar. Did I say it? Did I say it right? Hello, somebody. Don't say you're not no liar and you're doing your income tax. Okay. Oh, I'm going to help you out today because I have a loving God. I didn't say that to condemn you, but I'm going somewhere with what I said. I'm going to get them super saved Holy Ghost rollers up in the house. The ones that think they don't never do nothing wrong. You just ain't got caught. Now what you got to say? Give me some more hallelujahs and amen. This is why the sinners don't want you to minister to them. 
Because you telling them what they ain't doing. But you ain't exposed what you supposed to be doing. And you ain't. We always find wrong in everybody else. We're not in this world to find wrong in everybody else. We're going and we're proclaiming what Jesus done. And look at this, y'all. I like this. Now, we understand that I'm going to the next part of that verse. I just did the first part. Sin entered the world through who? And through that one man and that one commandment, this is what happened. All of them was broken, right? Y'all, wouldn't you think that God would have gave them more than that one in that paradise? He only gave them one and they couldn't even keep that one. I want to help you. I'm going to help you today. Okay? I'm going to help all of us get from under the law. Because still some of us are trying to keep the law. Oh, yes, you are. I'm going to prove it to you too. We tried to keep the law. But the law is what brought us to Christ. Because we could not keep the law. So we see here that sin had to be dealt with. Because sin separated us from the Father. It separated us from having fellowship with God. Abba, Father. So through this, death passed upon all men. And the penalty of sin, y'all, the wages of sin... Is death. So I want y'all to understand this. People that's living in this dying world, they think I'm okay. When I die, I'm going to heaven because I've done all this good stuff on earth. Y'all need to bring some correction to these people. No, you're not. Just because you've done good and just because you're handing out money. I know it was a lady years ago, this preacher was saying that when she died... She done so much good around the world. She helped people with HIV. She done all these things. They talked about her goodness. She was all over the news. And the preacher was crying out for this person. Saying, oh, how, how, Lord, can she be gone? She done so much good. Who's going to do this good? Just crying out. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, there's none that's good. No, not one. Because her good works is not going to get her in. So everything that you see that's good and every person that you see that's good giving away cars. Oh, they so good. They gave away cars. They got to get a tax break, y'all. They got to look out for their money. So they got to give out all this money to get some tax breaks, not to lose them. But they so good. Ain't nobody good but God. Isn't that what Jesus said? There's nobody good but God. My goodness is because of Jesus, not because of me. Y'all didn't know? Come on, you didn't know? You do all the good you want to do. But it's because of him. Not because of you. We give because we have a given heart because of him. I had to have his heart to give you anything. And if I don't give you nothing and have his heart, it's because there's a blockage there. And it needs to be cleared through the word. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm going to learn something today. And if y'all see anybody go to sleep, just bump them. If they fall on the floor, they'll get up. Bump them. Bump them. Maybe I'll just walk down here and just touch you. Why? Because this is an important message. And you need to hear this message. The enemy don't want you to hear it because he don't want you to go out preaching and proclaiming. He don't want you to do that. 
So we see that sin had to be paid for, right? Even David knew. David said, I was shaping in iniquity in Psalms 51, 5. And in sin did my mother conceive me. David said, I come in this world a sinner. He recognized that. So David recognized he needed a savior. He recognized he couldn't save himself. Look at your neighbor and say, I can't save myself. Say, it took Jesus to save me. Say, so get over you. So we learned that God hates sin. Now, the next thing that I want to go into is this part. I want everybody to understand this sin. Go with me to Psalms 32. Like I said, I'm taking my time. Say, take your time. Say, I'll be sitting here. My body be here, but my mind be somewhere else. Bring it on home. Bring it on home. Psalms 32, 5. I want to go, go here. Listen at this. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. This is David. And my iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgivest the iniquity of my sin. In that one verse you see sin, transgression, and iniquity. Now this is where I want to go today. Because I want y'all to understand that you couldn't save yourself. Because when we look at sin, David knew all of this. When you look at sin, it means missing the mark. You know how when you got that round board and you take the bow and arrow and you shoot. And if you miss, they call it sin. This is what they call it. You miss the mark. That means in Romans 3.23, all of us have fallen short to the glory of God. None of us can meet his standards. None of us can meet his commands. If you go back to Exodus 19... Before the law came into place, come into place, because there was no law. The Bible tells me, if you go um, back to Genesis, that even the thoughts and the imaginations of people's hearts was evil continually. All they thought about, y'all, was sin. Everything that come before them was sin. So they were not under law, so they thought they were okay. So the law had to come into place, but God gave them a choice. When Moses went to get those commandments um, from the Lord, this is what they said. Everything that the Lord asked us to do, we'll do it. Please, y'all. That's what they said. So then these commands come in place, and I believe it was 613, 600 and so commands. They had to keep every last one of them. If they broke one of them, dead. They broke them all. Come on, these were the standards of God because God is a holy God. God hates sin. God cannot look on sin. That's why he turned away from his son. And Jesus said, Lord, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Because he had the sin come upon him for the whole world. Sin is not stopping people from getting to heaven. What's stopping people from getting to heaven is not accepting Jesus Christ. Sin was paid for. Even yet, while you were in your sin, a sinner, he demonstrated his love for you and he died on your behalf. Sin is not the problem. It's accepting what Jesus done. Because Jesus paid the price. So this is what we do when we go out. We're trying to tell people, you got to get it right before you come to church. No, you're supposed to be ministering to them. The good news in the gospel, so when they come to church, they can be trained to be a disciple. But we let anything in the gate. Mixed multitude.
multitude in the midst of church. Didn't y'all know about the mixed multitude they brought out of Egypt? The mixed multitude had them complaining. Moses was their deliverer. God sent Moses, but they brought the mixed multitude and they start talking in their ears. You did have fish. You did have meat. Now you got that old man coming down from heaven. That was bread from heaven. That was just God himself coming and living on the inside of you, giving you what you need to make it on your journey. But they begin to complain. You should have left us in Egypt. Come on, we have, we have Christian folks complaining. Well, Lord, at least when I was in the world, I had this. Now I'm living off of this and this and this and don't have what I want. I thought salvation was more than this. So we see, where was I? Holy Spirit, where was I? Mixed multitude. But, oh, thank you, Apostle. I'm going back to sin, transgressor, and iniquity. We talked about sin is missing the mark. All of us in here, before we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we fell short to the glory of God. We missed the mark because we could not meet his standards. We could not meet his commands. All of us missed it, right? That's sin. But when we get to a transgressor, a transgressor is one that know what to do but choose not to do it. That means that you're transgressing the law. You know what the law says, but you refuse to do what the law says. So you go out and run a stop sign when the stop sign, hey, hello, Christian folk. I'm I'm helping you a little bit. Y'all know that stop sign is red and white, isn't it? Thank you, honey. I was reminded of something. Thank God for his mercy. I ran a stop sign. This is what happened, y'all. See, I use this, and I can use it on myself. A transgressor is one that know to do and don't do, but I didn't see the stop sign, so it's not like I ran it deliberately. (laughs) So I'm going to finish this, and then I'll tell you what happened. Y'all waiting, aren't you? So a transgressor is one that know what to do, but don't do it. This was like Eli. No, I ain't going to go to Eli. I'm going to go to this one right here, Samson. Samson was a Nazarite. And Samson knew that he could not cut his hair or he could not touch anything dead. He knew that. But what did he do? He went and messed with that dead lion, got the honey out, and gave his mom and daddy some of it too. And he knew he shouldn't have done it. Then he knew about his hair. His hair didn't bring him his strength, but his hair was part of that Nazarite vow. So he told him about the hair the hair got cut so he knew what was right but he chose to do what was wrong okay i'm going back to a lie you know you're telling a lie but you still tell the lie somebody asks you the truth and you look at them in their face and you tell them a lie. i'll tell you what a good lie is a good lie is when somebody asks you something and you telling them no and you know you're lying how i look today in it oh girl you look good liar I'm going to help some people in here. You know they tore up from the flow up. You know that that ain't right, but you choose to tell them something outside of what's right. He who, who, um, what is the scripture that says in James that, go with me to James. I don't want to miss nothing because it's going to come together. Go with me to the book of James. 
And let's see, the fourth chapter, verse 17, says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him is sin. Even if you know to do good and you don't do it, what did you call it? What did you call it? You call missing the mark, right? I done done two. Sin and transgressor. Have we missed it? Hello? Have all of us in here missed it? Say, folk. Have we missed it? Now, let me tell you about the stop sign. I was taking my husband somewhere to a customer house that he was cutting the lawn, and I'm driving along, driving very well. And I got, we got to the house, did what we had to do. So I'm coming back. I didn't need no directions because I was familiar with where I was, thought I was. My husband was on his phone and I'm just driving. I said to myself, I said, seemed like I should have turned somewhere. That's what I was saying in my mind. But I kept right on going. My husband looked up and he saw a car coming. He said, somebody should have stopped. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, you know, I felt like I should have, but, um, I just kept it moving. Now, I wasn't going to share that with that man sitting over there in the corner, which is my daddy, because he don't want to ride with me as it is. But I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. I did not see the stop sign. So my husband was saying, now, somebody should have stopped. Now, man, I said, I know now it was a stop sign, but I did not see it. So I didn't do it on purpose. I just didn't see the stop sign. It was back here and I was up here. So that's cleared up. But then there is iniquity. Iniquity is where you repeat that sin over and over and over again with no repentance, no remorse, no godly sorrow. You just keep repeating that sin over and over again. Now you're going to understand why David said what he said. Because David, he was walking in these sins. Because with Bathsheba, he knew he should not have slept with Bathsheba. He was a transgressor right then when he knew not what to do. He knew not to do it, but he done it. He slept with her. But then after he slept with her, he went up lying. He ended up being a murderer. He ended up being all of these things. That's iniquity. When you repeat a sin over and over again, that means that you are in iniquity. You got sin, you got transgressor, you got iniquity. How many of us, hello somebody, has repeated a sin over and over? Let me call some sins out. Rebellious, stubborn, fornicators, adulterers. You know you shouldn't have slept with her the first time, but you brought back to your remembrance and said one more time ain't going to hurt. God didn't forgive You know you told a lie the first time, but another little lie ain't going to hurt. You keep repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating. It's iniquity. But my God, I want to help you out. God loved us so much, he knew that we were going to repeat ourselves. He knew that we knew what to do and we wasn't going to do it. He knew we were going to miss the mark. He said, so I'm going to come off my throne. And I'm going to pay for all your. Let me get out my shoes. I'm going to come off my throne. He said, because you're going to miss the mark. You're going to keep transgressing. You're going to be in iniquity. He said, so I'm going to clear everything. 
that now. Done told somebody a fib and know you told it. But the only difference with us then and us now, now that we are born again, the Holy Spirit come in and convict you of righteousness and I have to apologize. But if I choose not to apologize, I'm becoming reprobate. Meaning I don't care. You can't hold nothing against me. Because my daddy didn't. My father didn't. Pastor, he forgave me. But the reason why you have reprobates is because they don't want to change. So God turned them over to do what they wanted to do. That ain't what I chose for you. But because you have chose that way, I'm going to turn you over to that way. But God didn't choose that way. So when we go out to minister to people, you don't look at what people are doing. Because he paid the price for that. You share what Jesus done. You share his grace and his mercy unto them. Tell them about the love of God. We have all fallen short and still fall short. Even in our thinking, it's stinking. Some of you is thinking stuff sitting right there with your wife. I'll, I'll break it down even more. Jesus said, you know how adulterers consider laying in a bed with a woman or a man? He said, if a man even lust after a woman in his heart, he committed adultery. But guess what? God said, I don't forgave you for even that. Jesus had to even bring it even deeper. Somebody can go out and murder a, a person, but if you murdering them within and you hadn't committed the act, you're still a murderer. He said, I don't forgave you for that. So why is it we are not forgiving others just as he forgave us? Y'all, let's go somewhere. None of us can keep none of his commands, even right now. But what make us different? See, they had a sin nature. We used to have a sin nature. A sin nature is what drove you to sin, gave you that desire. When the law told you not to, the sin nature rose up in you and said, go for it. Go for it. It's all good. Go for it. Nobody don't see you. Nobody ain't watching you. Because even a sinner have the commands in them. Even the sinner have the right to choose. But there's a sin nature which we inherited from Adam. Meaning that it's compelling us. It's driving us to sin. But some people say, why am I still driven to sin without the sin nature? Because that old man, he left behind some habits. He left behind some way of doing things. So when you get in a habit of something, that's what you're going to go towards. But because of the Holy Spirit, he is there to help you to change. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. So we cannot down people because they done something you didn't. What have you done? If you broke one, you done what they just did. Come on, we look at the homosexuals like they the most detestable people I ever seen. You a liar, you just like them. But God gave all of us mercy. He gave all of us grace. Did he not? So we can't look down on other people like what they did is worse than what we ever done. If you lied, if you stole, if you did whatever, you still miss the mark. You still miss God's standards. God is a forgiving God. He's a merciful God. The thing is with us Christians, we don't stay in our mess. 
We can't not with the Holy Spirit. I know I can't. I cannot hurt Tiffany and know I said something to hurt her and lay down at night with a clear conscience. Because if I can do that, oh, I'm messed up. If I can lay down and know I said something against her, against my sister in Christ, and can lay there and sleep all night and get a few snores in, something is wrong. I'm not hearing the Holy Spirit. Because I can't lay there and do that. Even if you're talking to somebody on the phone, Christians, and you said something that was wrong, that was snobby, you cannot end that conversation. Or if you end it, you got to call back and say, wait a minute, let me clear that up. Because the Holy Spirit in you, he's going to, oh, now, uh-uh, y'all got to hear this today. This is why people do not want to come into the house of God. It's because of our standards. It's because of what we feel like need to be done. No, we need to go out there and we need to be disciples and we need to tell them what Jesus done on our behalf. None of us could save ourselves, y'all. None of us. Because everything that we did, it deserved death. But because of the blood of Jesus, because of the sacrifice that he has made, I want y'all to understand this. My life ain't based on me no more. My life is based upon him. It's based on his righteousness. It's based on his holiness. I'm holy because he is holy. I'm righteous because he is righteous. I'm justified because he justified me. I couldn't justify myself. My sins are acquitted because of his blood. Because of what he done. So I can say I'm justified in him, not in me. Because I will mess up. But because I know what he's done, I'm going to turn from my mess up. My problem is people not turning from their mess up and say they're Christians. That's the problem I have with the church. People know that they're wrong. I was watching something and it disturbed me so bad. And we're going to have to pray, really pray for these secular singers. They get on stage and they sing for the devil. But then they bow down and crowd to God and want everybody to worship God with them. And people are doing that. Because the enemy is trying to make people think that this is the way. And people are falling for that. But we need to pray for that person because that person is really crying out to God and don't know which way to go. Instead of talking about them, we need to pray and say, Lord, send someone. Send a labor in their life to minister the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Churches are full of these celebrities because they want the money. When you start preaching truth, see how long they stay there. When you start telling them, now that you're in Christ, you got to live the life of Christ. You can't live it on your own. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. You have the indwelling spirit on the inside of you to help you to live the life, the new life you have in Christ. Y'all, we can't do it on our own. But churches are getting so messed up and tore up, bringing the world in the church and saying, how are you going to reach the world if you don't invite them to do, "Uh uh-uh. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. The Bible says that we let our light shine before men. And the reason why we let our light shine before men, so he can be glorified. We're the light of the world. We are a light, a city sitting on the hill for the whole world to see. The light supposed to what? 
shine and it's supposed to shine in the midst of that darkness to let them know I'm not of this world. I don't do what this world does. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. We supposed to get taught enough and transformed enough to know this is not my home. I'm not from here. I don't do like the world does. When you walk in a place, they supposed to see his glory shining upon you and know you're not from here. I remember when I did used to sneak out. And daddy and them didn't know it. I'm grown now. You know, we tell our little sneaking out stories once we get out of the house, don't we? But then don't be around daddy. Okay, I ain't going to tell too much. But this is the funny part. God will keep you. And he will keep you in a place that you're not known. Because even when I would sneak out, they didn't think I was from around here. You know why they didn't think I was from around here? Because I wasn't in the club every weekend. Or every time a party broke out. And I'll never forget that Grenetti said, a good woman is found at home. I said, uh-uh, uh-uh. Who in the world going to come here and find me? You got to get out there and you got to let them see who you are. And I understand what Grenetti is saying. Because just like John the Baptist, when he was preaching the kingdom, preaching the baptism of repentance, he was in the wilderness. And when he went out preaching, the people were coming to him. God has someone for everybody, and then it might be you might walk alone. It's whatever God has for your life, so you need to line up with what God has for you and quit getting tired trying to find somebody. Quit doing that. So we see that when I was going out, I was not known. And God kept me so secure, y'all. Some of them slang, some of the dances, I couldn't never do none of that, couldn't, talk, couldn't even curse right. Couldn't curse right. Tried to curse and couldn't even curse right. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? I felt different and I didn't understand why I felt so different. And when I did go out, I didn't feel apart. I was just there to say I was hanging out with the crowd. Even in school, Teresa and Renee know me. I didn't say nothing. Didn't open my mouth. You didn't speak to me. I didn't speak to you. I just looked, just stared at you. Didn't know what God had for my life, but I felt different. See, God will set you aside because he's setting you up for the plan and the purpose that he has for your life. He will begin to shelter you. But I'm going to tell you this. Church, it is time for us to get out and reach the lost. It is time for us to put our agendas aside, our plans aside. Ministry, first of all, starts at home. If we can't have that ministry in our home, how are you going to come in a building and teach people stuff and your family know you off? See, you got to have that relationship with God by yourself. You got to have that experience with God by yourself. And I want to tell you something, dealing with these commandments and these laws. The reason why people try to live by the law is because they don't know who they are. They don't know what they have now that they're in Christ. So they think they've got to keep something to get something. The only thing you got to do is believe in what you already have and you can live that way. It is not hard. The way of a transgressor is hard, but it's not hard to live the life of Christ when you're led by the Holy Spirit. It's not pressure on you to forgive somebody when the Holy Spirit is telling you to forgive because you are forgiven. Love because you are loved. When you know what the word of God is saying, it's not hard to live that new life in Christ. 
It's not hard for you to love your worst enemy. It's not. Because you know what the Bible says. So now that you are in him and you are identifying, you are a new creature now that you are in Christ Jesus. Your mind got to be transformed. It got to be renewed to who you are. Why? Because that old you left behind some stuff, y'all. It left behind a way of doing. If you was uh, um, getting drunk off of Coke, you still going to get drunk off of Coke. I'm talking about Coca-Cola. If you still have to eat because you're depressed, you're still going to be eating because you're depressed until you find out who you are. Now that you're in Christ, don't put a person down and tell them, oh, you can stop doing what you're doing if you choose to. If they're too far in it, they're going to need some help to stop doing what they're doing through the word, through encouragement. Yes, they do have a choice, but now it's a stronghold. They're holding them captive and in bondage. But God was so good, y'all. I got to tell you what Jesus did. Jesus had to pay that price, you know, through his death, burial, and resurrection. But before Jesus even went to be with the Father, to sit down at his right hand, see, the priest had to stand up dealing with the sacrifices, but Jesus sat down at the right hand of God because he said it is finished. Because he paid the price once and for all for sins. He didn't have to do it on a daily basis. But this is what I like. The Bible says that Jesus went into hell. I'm going to tell you why he went to hell. He went into hell because there were some that were held captive. Let me explain it to you. Do y'all remember Lazarus and he was in Abraham's bosom and there was a gulf between him and the other man, meaning that the man couldn't go to him and he couldn't go to the man? That was shallow. That was considered that holding place. But my God, when Jesus rose, before he went to be with the father, he said, hold up, boys. I got to go down here and get the ones that's in holding. I got to take the ones that's captive and I got to loose them from where they are. And I got to take them where my father is. So Jesus went down there and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He had to do all that before he went to be with the father. He said, I got to loose those that are in holding. Uh Ephesians 4, read it. And you know what some people say? He went down there and he preached to the lost. No, he didn't. He preached to the ones that was righteous. If they were lost, and what, what did the man, what did uh, Abraham say? If they didn't believe Moses and the prophets, they ain't going to believe a dead man. So you thinking Jesus is going to say, well, you died in your sins. So let me tell you a little bit more about, no, he done died. He was buried and he had rose and he took the keys back of death and went to be with the father. And he went up there and he said, it is finished. So if it's finished, why are we trying to drag something out with people? Telling them this is what you got to do. Let me tell you something. Somebody come up here dressed like a prostitute. When we give them the word and they get into the word, you ain't going to recognize them no more. I remember it was a girl that I was ministering to at the altar. I think Kathy was up there with me. And as I was ministering to the girl, y'all, God was just pouring it out on her, pouring the love of God out on her. And I'm going to admit, she was tore up when she came to that altar. So she came back the next Sunday and I called her back up and I'm ministering to her. 
And I didn't even know it was the same child. Everything was in place. Do you remember that? Everything was in place. A change. Y'all got to hear me. The word is what quickens. The word is what makes alive. So if you are trying to change yourself, it's from the inside out, not from the outside in. Women, we can wear false eyelashes. We can wear false fingernails. We can wear penile toenails. We can get weave all in our hair. And we think we just in a beauty contest. We looking good for the world to see. But if that inside ain't right, the outside doesn't matter. Because God is looking for those that are pure. And the only way you can be that way is through Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. If you're lonely, grab hold to this word. And you will be confident through this word. Some people feel like everybody needs somebody who said that you are God. Who said that you are God? Because if a man don't have a woman, they think the man gay. If the woman don't have a man, they think the woman gay. You got to get you somebody. So you telling them to go lay up with somebody so they won't be by themselves. Everybody needs somebody to keep them warm. Even when, who was that in the Bible? He was old and the girl had to keep him warm. Had to lay on him and warm him up. But he couldn't do nothing with him. <laughs> who was that man? Hey, who, daddy? King David got so old. She couldn't do nothing but lay on him to keep the bones warm. So I guess y'all going on King David. Just bring me a young woman to lay on me to keep me warm. But the God say bring that harlot in your house. That's what daddy said. It was a custom. He said back then. Some things we want to pick out of the law because we like what they did having all these women do. That wasn't God. But can I tell y'all something? I don't want nobody lost. I want them to know the truth and I want them to know know the love of God. Because the Bible said, for God so love. Come on, let's get that verse right. Where is the love of God in us to the world? Because Jesus went amongst the sinners not to be like the sinners. But to show them the love of God, to let them know you don't have to live this way because the kingdom have come. So when we deal with these lost souls, guess what? The gifts are going to manifest in the midst of it. But we sow on gifts instead of the giver of the gifts that we're missing. People are lost. We're out to do a commission. We're out to do what God is telling us to do. And everything that we tell him to do, guess what? He's going to confirm it. Because he's with us to confirm his word. So when we go out with his word, signs and wonders are going to follow those that believe in what he's saying. Those signs and wonders are not for the believers. Because you should already know what he can do. When you go out, they're going to follow you to let them know I'm bringing kingdom. So let's get our minds off of us. And let's put our minds on where our mind's supposed to be. And like I say, yes, God has put an anointing on the evangelists. And they're going out everywhere, winning souls. But he's given us a commission. We don't wait on them to evangelize. All of us can evangelize. And when we see something that's not right, 
and we know it's not right, we pull our brother and sister aside and we just tell them what the word says. It's up to them to take it or leave it. And I remember this, my grandmother, when I was growing up, grandmother would always talk to me and she would say, she said, promise me something. I said, what do you want me to promise you? She said, promise me that you will accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior before I leave. And I looked at my grandmother, I said, I can't promise you that. See, that was one time I I didn't lie because I wasn't ready. Come on, we're just going to be honest. Even though I wasn't doing everything the world was doing, I wasn't ready to go into that. And at that time, God knew when my timing, when I was going to be ready, but she still presented it to me. She still laid it out for me. She knew the life that I was living was not the life that I should have been living. So she still talked to me about the life of Christ. And she even said, if I have done anything or said anything, forgive me. She was telling me what was on her heart because she wanted to make sure her heart was clear before God. Some of us Christians know what we said. Know that we still got unforgiveness, but we still walk around with a smile on our face with hate in our heart towards our brother and sister. With envy, with jealousy, and that don't supposed to be the way of the Lord now that we're in Christ. I don't supposed to envy apostle because apostle got a car before I did. I supposed to rejoice with my sister and rejoice with my sister and say, thank you, Jesus. Even though I didn't get one, it wasn't my time, but I'm going to rejoice with her. Not come against her. But if she's moving before her time and God is telling me to give her a word and say, wait, don't do that right now. I'm going to go to her and say, Apostle, God says not yet your time. God said you need to wait on that. She can either take it or leave it. But I've done my part for my sister because I love my sister. I'm not going to say, that's her. She got to make them payment. Let her do it. And then I'm going to rejoice with them and say, God can do it, girl. All the time I knew God said, don't do it. Are we doing that? Are we going to each other and saying, God says it's not your time to preach. God says wait on your ministry. People get insulted by that because the first thing the devil say is, she don't want you to do what she do and she want the spotlight. That ain't God. God know what's in you. God don't want you to go out there and you fall. He want to prepare you for where he's taking you. So if we cannot go to our brother and sister and forewarn them, because they may not see it through their excitement. This lady sitting on this row, this front row, I'll say drives, what, an hour and 45 minutes. About three and a half hours round trip. Every Sunday, been doing it for how many years? Almost six years. Coming to this church. And this is what happened. On her job, they wanted her to do Sundays. I want to talk. They're telling her it's a requirement for her to work on Sundays. Pastor got on that phone with me. She said, I ain't working on no Sundays because I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be in church on Sundays. This is exactly what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going. Pastor said, I already got a plan, Apostle. I said, what? 
What's your plan? I got enough vacation time to be off these many Sundays because I'm coming on Sunday. So I waited for her to finish. I could have said, put it in, girl, put it in. But the spirit of the living God said, tell her, don't do it. Tell her, don't do it. God, know her heart. How long you been coming here every Sunday? And still got her vacation time. She took heed to what God said. She did it and she's been coming every Sunday because God knew her heart because he knew this is where she want to be. So when you take heed to what God is saying, you're going to get a reward. The Bible said without faith, it is impossible to please him. But those that seek him diligently shall be He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And she was diligently seeking him. God, I don't want to miss Sundays. This is where I want to be. So God knew where she needed to be. And I'll never forget. And I'm using apostle because God would have me to say, sing the song season. Every time the song was sung, apostle come back in here with a testimony. Look at God. Sing that song again, Apostle. (laughs) Sing that song. Keep singing that song. But when we hear the Spirit, y'all, we are spiritual beings. We don't walk in the flesh. We walk in the Spirit. You come up in here to get taught. You come up in here to get trained to go out and make disciples. You don't worry about no title. You go out and do what the Word say do. And when it's time for him to put his stamp of approval on you, and make you elder, make you pastor, make you bishop. They the same thing. Bishop is an overseer. They just use it interchangeably in the Bible. Bishop ain't the big dog. God is. Pastor, bishop, and elder is the same term. It's used interchangeably. So when a bishop come in the door, have a seat. Come on, get in the word. So some people trying to get bishop over many churches. See, that's partly right. Because Paul, the apostle, the preacher, the evangelist, hey, Paul went to check out the churches that the elders was in to make sure that they were keeping that foundation. He just went and checked on the churches. So y'all, we need to be taught. The more we get taught, the more we can go out and disciple. Quit trying to get a title and don't even know what discipleship is. Why are you going after a title and can't even win a soul? Help me, somebody. All these titles and you're standing before God and he's asking you, uh, how many, what's a soul? (laughs) We want title but don't know how to go out and minister to nobody. You do not have to be a minister People give you minister license, and let me explain that. We all can minister the gospel, the gospel. But some churches give you minister license to read a scripture at a funeral, to do communion at that table, to make sure you understand that. But see, in Clem, I teach you all of this. So if the deacon ain't here... I can call up this gentleman here, Brother Ronnie, and say, come on up here and get this money. 
Because he's been in Clem and he's been taught these principles. Oh, I touched the table. It's all right. Don't go on that pulpit. The anointing is within. We respect it. But if you go up there and touch it, you ain't going to die. Ignorant going to seed in these churches. These are rules and regulations of men that make the word of God a none effect. And that's how you trying to live holy by not touching the table, not going on a pulpit. Holiness is within you. But you want to live a holy life. Your living need to reflect what's already in you. Be ye holy because I am holy. He is holy. So you are living according to him and not according to your holiness. Putting on dollies on your head and long skirts. That don't mean a thing. And they got 10 babies. And ain't married. But they still holy. Yes, they are. And they're forgiven. But they don't have to wear the clothes to let people know I'm holy. Man mess. That skirt will come up just as good as a mini. Ain't no difference. It'll hide a little bit more, but it'll come up. It'll be the blanket, the sheet, and everything else. We need to quit this mess. God, that's why people don't want to come in the house of God. It's too many standards. If we get out sheep, we got sheep. Pastors take the, the, the what you call that thing? Staff and put it around their neck after they begotten. And put them back in place. By chastising them in love. Some pastors don't want to put that thing around somebody's neck when they're in fornication. Because they're in it themselves. So they say, I ain't going to mess with that. Anything they in, they ain't going to mess with because they're they scary. But if you know you already forgiven and you done turned from it, take that rod out and say, come here. Let me tell you what this will do. But let me tell you what God done so you don't have to go back to this. Jesus took the fornication. He took the adultery. He took liars. He took murders. He took every sin upon him. And now that we're in him, God looks at him and not us. But that don't give us a license to sin. That's what grace does. For by grace, you are saved. For by grace, you are saved. To access grace is through faith, through believing in what Jesus done for you to access grace. It is a gift of God, not of works, thus any man should boast. It is a gift of God. God gave it to us freely. You don't have to earn it. It's undeserved. It's based on Jesus. We just accepting what Jesus have done. So why are we making it so hard when people mess up? One reason is because when they told over and over again and you're giving them the word and they're backing off off the word, this is the conclusion to this sermon and to the matter. When you got a Christian that's still doing the same thing over and over again, and they have the word of God and in the congregation amongst the saints. We don't want the rest of the saints to get contaminated with that foolishness. So this is how you handle it. See, the word tells you how to handle people in those situations, does it not? 
Those people cannot even stay amongst you. You got to put them out. This is the word, y'all. It is not happening. Let's talk. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up. They were boasting on this. And have not rather mourned that he that have done this deed might be taken away from among. Did y'all hear that? They were puffed up. They were boasting on this. Guess why they were boasting? Oh, it's all right. Go, man. You done slept with your daddy's woman. Go. You man. That's what was going on. It's the church boasting. This is what Paul said. For I verily as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that have done such deed. Paul said, I don't even have to be there to judge spiritually. Nobody has to be there to judge spiritually if this is happening in the house of God, right? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus. Listen what he said. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. What, what he's saying is, quit praying for him. Loose them. Meaning, let them keep doing what they're doing because they're going to end up turning. Because we don't want them lost. You holding on to them and you high-fiving them, they think they're okay. They got to know they ain't okay. Come on, you got to let them know that ain't okay. You got to lose them. I'm going to finish reading it. I'm going to finish reading it. It says, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's going to go through the church. Purge out. Y'all hear what I say? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Now listen at this. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice, wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. They were in there doing this stuff that they supposed to have been doing for the Lord with this in there. He said, no. Then he said, I write unto you in an epistle not to company. We're fornicators. Yet not all together. He's explaining it. With the fornicators of this world or with the covenants or extortioners or with idolaters. For then must she need to go out of the world. He's making it clear. We are in the world but not of the world. If we're in the world, we're going to meet all these forms of people. But he's talking about keeping company. Come on now. He said don't keep company with them. Guess why? I got it. But now I have written... Unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a what? Brother. Be a fornicator, covetous, or an adulterer, or a railer, or a drunken, or an adulterer with such and one not to eat. For what I, I do to judge them also that are without, I do judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judge. Therefore put away the, from among yourself that wicked person. Let me break it down so you can understand it the more. If we got these people amongst us and they know what they're doing is wrong, we don't let them stay amongst us and bag, brag and boast about it because when you do that, you're saying they're okay. 
You turn them over to Satan and allow them to see what they're doing that is wrong so they can come back. If you go back into Second Corinthians, they did come back. But he said, we don't even keep company with them. You don't hang out with the brother or sister that's in fornication and adultery and you laughing and talking with them. Because guess what? You end up doing exactly what they're doing. You in agreement with them. If they're not willing to turn from what they're doing, then you got to let them go. You rather to turn them over to Satan. They can have, if this is what you do, they have a right to repent. Because if they say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, that's godly sorry, they're turning from their way. But if they choose to keep doing the same thing and know the truth, you cannot keep welcoming them in and saying, hey, how you doing? How, how this, how that? No, they know the truth. The Bible tells you, you cannot eat with them. You cannot keep company with them. Like y'all just lovey-dovey. This hurts. Some, I feel some hurt off some people up in here. But I can't help that. The truth, knowing the truth will set you free. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot do it. It's time to let all these excuses go. This is why I understand now. My grandfather, bless his heart. People didn't even want him to come to their house. Because when he spoke truth, he meant what he said. And he didn't stay there to try to get you to, to, to grab hold to it. He left it with you. And whatever you choose, chose to do, that's what you chose to do. But he went on. He said, if I don't have a friend in this world, I'm going to do what the Lord has called me to do. When you turn to this word and truly turn to this word, you can't be around mess no more. Y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I love people with the love of God, but I'm not going to be in the midst of people that say that they know God shagging on the floor, grinding on the floor, cursing coming out of their mouth. And I'm saying that's family. That ain't my family. What did Jesus say? What did he say? The ones that do the will of my that he said, your brothers, your sister, and your mama. He said, the ones that do my father's will. We supposed to make a difference and we supposed to turn from what our family is doing, even if they turn from us. He said, when mother and father forsake you. It's young folks dying. Committing suicide right in front of our eyes. We got to get the word out. Nine one one. What's your emergency? Lost souls. This is our emergency miracle temple. It's lost souls. Get your mind off of you. God is talking to you today. Let you go. Develop the relationship with God and say, God, if I leave this earth today, I know where I'm going. I'm in, I'm going to eternity. I'm going to be at home with you. But this one right here is going to be lost. 
And God, I don't want them lost. See, when you know where you're going, you know you're safe. When you know what you have in him, you don't have to beg him every day to get it. God, I just thank you. And I want to say something. I got two people I want to call up today. Tiffany, come up here, please. And I got another one. Y'all sitting right beside each other. She looked at me and bucked eyes. I want to tell y'all something. Y'all know Miss Tiffany. My husband had sent me something. And I thought I had, Tiffany had sent me pictures with a classroom. She taken pictures with WCT because she got the teacher of the year. Teacher of the week. I say, yeah. I'm speaking that thing. So she got the teacher of the week, and she sent me the picture. So my husband said, you need to watch this. I said, well, I already know because Tiffany already told me. You know, I'm thinking it's the same thing. So he said, watch it. So I'm going out on my walk with my little dog. So I said, let me go ahead and turn this thing on. Y'all don't try this while you're walking because you need to look for traffic. But I had to see this. (laughs) So I, I turned on the phone, and I'm looking. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I'm just looking at the phone, and I'm looking at just how everything happened and how God was in the midst of it. And Tiffany started speaking, and all of a sudden, I'm going down the road. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. And I'm just speaking and just prophesying over her classroom and just prophesying and saying, God, you're done. Just hallelujah. God, you're done. Just what you said. God, you prepared her even before the door was open. God, you let her know, God, even when she wanted to give up the classroom, God, you spoke into her life to stand still and see the south. Oh, God, I give you glory. I give you glory for yet what you're getting ready to do. God, I give you glory that these kids is going to be glorified through you they're going to see exceptional students through this teacher oh i just begin to glorify god and dance all the way down the road saying god i thank you for what you're gonna do and what you already done i couldn't do nothing but cry and praise god it was like they gave me the award and gave me the check i was going down the road just crying just praising god because tiffany God ain't through yet, baby. God is going to use your mouth. He's going to use your hands to lay on them kids. And when they go home, the parents are going to say what they say they had. I'm not seeing it. I know what they said, but I'm not seeing it. Something is happening in the classroom. What's going on in that classroom? God is going to turn the hearts of men and women towards you. Because they're going to see what God is doing in you and through you. So don't take it lightly when God says, just touch them. You don't have to say nothing today. Just touch them. And when you do, you're going to see transformation. You're going to see God move like never before. And when people walk in that classroom, they're going to say, whoo, I got some peace. Like I know, what are you doing? I got students that's nothing is wrong with them. And these students are backpack. Come on, y'all. Give me glory because God, give God glory because God is going to do some exceptional. And I'm going to tell you why. Tiffany have not been in this church long. I think I met you two years ago. When I visited. When you visited. And it was on Tiffany Hart to say, I want to be a part, but these are the things got to be taken care of. I didn't beg her. Did I beg you, Tiffany? Not at all. I said, just wait on the Lord, just encouraging her. 
And when Tiffany walked in this church and told me, I want to be a part of this church, baby, you didn't know what you were stepping into. Because everything that's on my life is transferred to your life. The favor of God that's on me is the favor of God that's upon you. Everything that you lay your hands upon is going to be blessed. Every word that's spoken out of your mouth according to the word of God is not going to fall to the ground. Because you made a connection to where God wanted you to connect to. But when she made the connection, everything God said, I remember the first time she come up in here, she wanted to give up the classroom. Then she didn't have nobody to help her with the classroom. I said, God is going to give you what you need. God showed himself mighty. He showed himself strong. And that's what we're supposed to do. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we're supposed to bring light in the midst of that. Not jealousy, but giving God glory for our brothers and sisters. That's getting elevated. So you go in the peace of the Lord. Knowing that God has already set it up for you. It is well. Amen. Amen. God is good. Yes, he is. Now I want to call your niece up here. And I need the mic. Look, this is a family affair. And let me tell you how much this is a family affair. Calvin, come up here too, because the Lord shared this with me. Calvin and his sister, they got a brother, and I call him Step. Renee, y'all remember Step, right? Me and Step was buddies in school. Me and Step kept something going all the time. Me and Annie knew we can get Step and everything. We call him Step, but his name was Stephonza. Check this out. Now I got stepbrother, got stepsister, and then got stepniece. Won't he do it? And step is a pastor. No, he's saved, but he's a minister of the gospel. Look at God. Now I want to tell you something about this baby. Let me hold the mic, honey. Let me tell you about this baby. She come up to me Tuesday night. And the devil was trying to bring her fear. But I want you to tell them the dream that you had. Okay. It was me and my kids. Is that on a theater? Okay. We were all in one room and it was... Wait a minute, let me turn it on, baby. It's on. Can I... No? Okay, go ahead, baby. It was me and my kids. We were all in one room and it was this pregnant woman and... When we were in the room, it was people tormenting, and this man came in beating on this pregnant woman. And when the man came in, he never said nothing. He just bent down and bit my foot. And they were trying to get us to take the mark 666. And I looked at my kids, and while they were beating on a woman in front of us, we were scared and terrified. And I remember after he bit my foot, I was in so much pain. But I went over, I told the man, hold on. And as I said, hold on, he left the room, and I went to my kids and said, we must stand for Jesus and don't take it. And once that happened, the man grabbed me by my shirt and drove me out of the room, and I woke up. Do you see why it's an urgency? What she experienced was the tribulation. The rapture had already taken place. In the tribulations, the ones that's left behind, if they don't take the mark of the beast, they will die. She stood with her children. 
saying no matter what they do, don't take the mark because they were standing for Jesus. I told her, God is telling you, baby, you don't have to be in that sensation. You can get raptured up. So God is saying, stand now, stand now. He was showing her what was yet to come. This is a young woman. This is why God said 911. What's your emergency? Lost souls. He's opened the eyes of young people. Old men shall do what? And young men shall what? Come on, God is showing young folks it's time to get it right. Don't be fooled. This world don't have what you need. It's not in a man. It's not in a woman. It's not in your job. It is in Jesus Christ. Everything you need is in him. Don't think that everything is going to be okay. Because we don't know the time, the day, nor the hour. When he's coming back, that's why our bags got to always be packed. Yes, we're going to mess up while we're here. But God made a way that when we mess up, he's already atoned. He's already taken care of all that. But we turn from our mess ups and we show people we don't have to live that way. Yes, you may have fornicated being saved. Turn from it. Repent. Don't go back that way. He made a way for you. Come out from amongst them. Be ye separated. Don't do what they do just to fit in. Come on, it's time to turn off the world. And let's turn on Jesus. It ain't about all this that the world is doing. If you're not invited, it's because you're different. Quit trying to grab these little slangs on Facebook and put your face in it. Let's be a face for Jesus. Turn off the world and turn on Jesus. Because his name ain't changed. It has not. Thank you all so much. Did you have something to say, baby? You okay? So all I can say is to God be the glory. I'm just grateful. And I just want to continue to do his will. And that's, that's all I got to say. I'm just grateful to God. Amen. Amen. We give God glory. God is such a good God. Amen. And on that note, I want to say if there's any individuals in this house that do not know him or have not accepted him, As your Lord and as your Savior. Now is the time of salvation. Don't leave out of this house. Not knowing him as your personal Savior. It is time. It don't matter how young you are. It is time to come to Jesus. Is there one. In this house that do not know him. That you know that you cannot do it by yourself. That you need him. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the message that have come forth on today. We thank you, Father God, for the ones that have accepted this message on today. And we thank you, God, for those that are going out not to get converts, but going out to make disciples. God, we honor you, we glorify you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, at this time, could I ask the visitors if they would like to stand at this time?